0: Credit card brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Air Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to takeoff. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria. Lending criteria. Terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.
1: The Hard Shoulder. On Newstalk.
0: With Nissan subscribe and drive. No deposit. No compromise. No fuss. Find out more at Nissan.ie
1: very welcome back to the hard shoulder Kieran Cudahy with you until 7 o'clock now if I told you you could get your hands on an original piece of art by one Robert Bala for as little as 65 euro I'm sure you'd bite my hand off at the opportunity you might be able to do so through the incognito art sale in aid of the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation stay with us and I'll tell you all about it in more detail and how you can get involved and possibly get your hands on that piece of work. Uh, but I'm delighted to say that Robert himself is with me in studio. Robert, how are you? I'm not too
2: bad. Thank you.
1: Listen, thanks a million for, for coming in and, and taking the time. I often find, as as you'd imagine in these conversations, we start by talking to people about their childhood. I wanted to put a quote to you, though, about your own childhood. This is your own quote. You're oh, talking it? about growing up in in, in Balls Bridge, and yeah. um, you said, we. you're talking about people from different social and religious backgrounds. You said, we all piled around together. There didn't seem to be any disparities of class or anything, which I think would be impossible to experience as a kid now. Why do you think? Well, uh, I think I came out with that quote because somebody asked me,
2: uh, I don't know whether it was in an interview situation or just somebody asked me, uh, where, where did I grow up? And I mm. said, Balls Bridge. Oh, you must have been terribly posh, you know. <laughs> but in the 1950s, when I grew up in Balls Bridge, it was anything but a posh place. And uh, I clearly remember when uh, the Americans uh, proposed building their embassy at the end of my road, actually. There were questions in Congress as to why was the American embassy being built in a slum area. Really? Now, nobody would <laughs> refer to Ballsbridge now as a slum area, but uh, it was very mixed. Mm. And, uh, you know, I had friends who were, uh, you know, whose, whose father was in a job, like one friend of mine, his father was a baker in Johnson, Mooney and O'Brien's, which was a bakery there in Ballsbridge along by the daughter. Uh, another fellow, his father was a bus conductor, But uh, two girls, their father was, I think, a consultant in hospital. But we all palled around together. There didn't seem to be that. And also, I should say, like, the chap whose dad was a bus conductor, they were a Protestant family. Uh, Obviously, the bulk of people were were, uh, Catholics, but uh, a lot of them were Protestants. And I was in... The unusual situation of being both, because my <laughs> my mother was a Roman Catholic and my father was a Presbyterian.
1: You know? And how did
2: that inform your personality? Uh, not much in the beginning, but I do remember, uh, you know, because of, of the Nae decree, which uh, maybe people now don't even know what it was, <laughs> but it meant what it meant was that uh, if a, if a Protestant married a Catholic, they had to. Signed this promise that the children of the Union would be brought up as pro- as Catholics. Mm. So I was brought up as a Catholic and went to Catholic schools. And I, I remember as a quite a small child listening to, you know, some priest talking to us about something or other and, and reminding us that only Catholics got into heaven, you know. And even as a child, I was saying, well, what about my dad, you know? Yeah. So... Uh, I suppose it, it 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 sowed some kind of doubts in my mind about the whole thing about religion and how kind of crazy it was. And you know?
1: um, what what like I mean, did it? Do you think it gave you maybe a dissenting attitude? I,
2: well, sure, I was only a little kid then, so I don't know. But uh, as you I, as he got older, yeah, well, I always became I became very difficult, I suppose, as I got older, <laughs> but. Uh, I, I often try, you, you know, I think everyone, you know, at a certain stage in their life uh, looks back and why have I ended up like this, et cetera. And I think it was my father's fault, who actually was <laughs> a very nice, mild-mannered man, but he had an attitude to life that was actually quite different than others in mm. that. And I think it was informed by the Protestant idea of you being informed by your own conscience and not told what to do by Mm. either the priest or the bishop or the pope, you know. Uh, So he often took, uh, shall we say, an oblique view on things. And, you know, I used to go for walks with him because I was an only child and we would discuss things. And he inevitably supported the underdog in any kind of situation, etc. So I think, now I didn't know at the time, But I think that informed the kind of attitudes that I have tended to take ever since.
1: So, I mean, so that, that, what do we call it? The social justice streak. that You trace that back to your dad.
2: I would think so. Yeah, yeah. uh, uh, I certainly didn't learn it
1: from the priests in school, you know. Yeah, Yeah. right. Uh, When were you aware of it? When did you become self-aware of that streak? That it maybe didn't exist in everyone else? That this was a kind of a particular uh, point of view I have? uh, Probably
2: sometime in secondary school. Mm. And
1: and was there an issue?
2: Funny, because I was reminded of it yesterday. uh, The first kind of issue where my father and myself joined together Mm. uh, was, I think it was, I can't remember, I'm hopeless on dates, but it was the time the South African rugby team were coming to Dublin. And of course there was the the anti-apartheid movement and all of that. And I remember that Saturday, I, I went to lunch to my uh, parents and, uh, and my father uh, said, I suppose you'll be going to that protest today. And I sort of said, yeah. And I should explain, my father did something quite unique, which I think would be impossible today. He played cricket for Ireland, tennis for Ireland, rugby for Leinster, and my mother played hockey for Ireland and represented Ireland in the 1936 Olympics. So Did she? Yeah. In, in what sport? Hockey. She was on oh, the wow. Irish hockey team. So uh, sport was the thing in yeah. our house. And my father used to go to all the rugby internationals. So the thought of him, you know, protesting outside Lansdowne Road about a rugby match was kind of a bit special. So the two of us... Uh, Walked along, uh, you know, followed the march to uh, and marched outside Lansdowne Down Road in protest over the Springboks rugby team, which of course had no black players on it at all coming to Dublin.
1: And w- w- were, you, were you there very much of your own volition? I you oh, obviously yeah, weren't there of yeah. your dad, but were yeah. you kind of following a gang from school or was this no, something no, you felt really that was strongly me, about? You know, this was me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Robert The Blatt. other thing
2: I should say about me and people, you know. Think I've been in this party and that party. I've never joined anything. I've never been in anything. Now, maybe that's a fault of mine. Uh, I support campaigns, I support mm. issues, but I've never been a, a member of any uh, party or anything.
1: Does it annoy you when people say that about you? No. no, Ro- no. Robert Ballas, is a Shinner.
2: Oh, that's yeah. That's what I, you hear I, all the time. Oh, no. I,
1: I've been accused of being on the Army Council, you know. <laughs> but I suppose the source of the. the, the Accusation, if we'll call it that, uh, or the uh, the allegation that you've been a member of Sinn Féin, I suppose, was your maybe your proximity to some of the protests they were involved with down through the years. Is that well, fair?
2: I always, I've always supported the underdog uh, in in any context, and it seemed to me that you know, since the foundation of both this state and the Northern state, the Northern nationalists were abandoned and they were a minority and were, uh, you know, discriminated against. So I naturally supported them. But uh, what people always uh, misinterpreted was that in supporting them, it didn't necessarily I su- that that I supported the
1: the armed campaign. Yeah, uh, you were a sneaky regarder, was the kind of the <laughs> Is thing. that the phrase? The, the sneaky regarder, you know what I mean? A uh, well, sneaking yeah. regard for, uh, for... But
2: the funny thing terrorism. is, uh, years ago, when the peace process started, etc., I was contacted by... Uh, the the BBC in London and they were they had done a very negative uh, profile of Gerry Adams uh, you know during the the conflict but with the peace process they uh, they they John Ware was the journalist quite a well known journalist mm. then uh, was the he phoned me and said they, they they were because of the peace process they were doing a, a new profile on Adams and you know him and I said well I've met him yes and they said uh, well, uh, we'd like to interview you about your relationship with Gerry Adams, etc. Yeah. And uh, and they said, well, wh- you know, wh- when did you meet him? And I said, well, in 1988, uh, the people in West Belfast decided to have an arts festival.
1: Or the Fela. Yeah, yeah. which became
2: the Fela, yeah. you know. And in, in in 88, I got a letter from the local MP, Gerry Adams, asking me, could I do something uh, in in the context of the Arts, the West Belfast Arts Festival it was first before it became known as the Fela and, and I had to think hard and long about it because I knew it would be seen in the wrong light by lots of people but on the other hand you know at that stage of course I was an artist and I, I always believed that art should have a, a role to play in, uh, in society and, and here I was being asked and the reason for this festival was that it had been a really terrible year it, you had the Gibraltar killings you then had the killings at the funerals in Belfast and then you mm. had the killings of the two corporals in Andersonstown and uh, you know the whole atmosphere was horrible and uh, and also the first week of August every year was the anniversary of internment and always ended up with rioting and uh, and trouble and kids throwing bricks at policemen and army and all of that and eventually people being arrested and everything yeah. and as it was explained to me, they, they thought that by staging an arts festival, which would engage people, would one, have a, a positive kind of media impact and secondly, get the kids off the streets hmm. uh, from the rioting and hmm. everything. And I said, I can hardly say no, you know, because yeah. <laughs> they're doing exactly what I've been saying for years, that the arts should have a role to play in society. So I agreed. So I went up to meet Jerry Adams. And interestingly enough, uh, he said, the first thing he said is now, we are you know, very pleased that you've agreed to become involved in this. And we do not expect you or demand from you any statements of support for violence or anything. And mm. I said, fine, that's good. So uh, that year, and for several years, I had an exhibition, I gave a lecture, I did something, you know, because yeah. I believed... It was important, and it proved to be important. I think it's now one of the biggest community festivals in Europe, uh, and happens still every year.
1: Yeah, huge. But uh,
2: so, like, uh, but I was explaining this to your man John Ware, uh, yeah. and, and 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 because I was saying. You know, he he asked me, Well, what do you talk to Adams about? And I said, Generally the arts, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I said, We happen to share an interest in the movies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> th- th- this isn't
1: what he was expecting. And, no. and,
2: uh, and he said, But do you not talk politics? I
1: said, Not really, no. no. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't called for interviewing. No, all right, okay. <laughs> Listen, that that's the principle that you, you, you enunciated there, what did you say? You said, uh, I believe the arts should play an important role in society. Have successive governments lived up to that principle oh, in the South? Do you want me to get going? Yeah, go on, Robert, get going. <laughs> the arts have been neglected
2: in this state since its foundation, which, by the way, is 100 years ago at the end of this year. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, in the first doll and the second doll, there was a Minister for Fine Arts, Count Plunkett. When the first uh, free state government was formed, what was the first post that was abolished? the Ministry for the Arts. Uh, when was the Ministry for the Arts re-established as a junior ministry? 1984. <laughs> that, that, that's a record, yeah. you know. Also, uh, in our educational system, which was, of course, established by the British, the national school system, drawing was a compulsory subject. When the Free State Government was formed, uh, drawing as a compulsory stru- subject was dropped from the the national school curriculum, the and you can I mean in twenty three, which was the year afterwards, they uh, they uh, established the uh, the um, the censorship of uh, films act, mm. and uh, so as a consequence of that, most Irish people weren't able to see decent films until about nineteen seventy and uh, and then that was shortly followed by the censorship of publications act where any decent book that was written by any decent author
1: in the world was banned in Ireland mm. so that's the record you no know? yeah. and that, and those are all ideological positions like that's not you, you know you don't censor books to save money it's not that the state was broke no. oh no 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 <laughs> yeah. no
2: this was yeah. well in the 30s really the, the relationship between this state and the Catholic Church was established and cemented. So the state was doing what the church wanted and the church mm. was doing what the state wanted. Because the state didn't even didn't have the money or the energy or whatever to run the hospitals, to run the schools. So they gave them all to the, the Catholic Church, mm. which may be fine
1: for the Catholic Church. But if you... Fell outside that remit. It was a pretty bleak place, you know. Yeah, um, but beyond those early years, and, and maybe more laterally, since the 1980s, when we suddenly had a junior minister again with responsibility. 1984. 1984. Have things improved since then? Uh, oh yes, because they couldn't be as bad as they were. <laughs> That's but damning uh, by faint praise.
2: But uh, the the facts speak for themselves. Um, I think uh, maybe six or seven years ago. The OECD did a survey on state support for the arts in Europe. And uh, they discovered that the the average spend of uh, the the states in Europe on the arts uh, was 0.6% of GDP. Ireland spends 0.1% of GDP on the arts, which means that if Ireland was to match the average spend in Europe it would have to increase the funding for the arts by 600 percent mm. what happened during the crash was the funding for the arts was cut by about 25 percent you know
1: does that does not make a lie of 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 the claims that Ireland makes kind of Ireland Inc makes abroad as, as being this kind of land of saints and scholars or whatever you have. And you know well, what I mean? And, and this church... I, I was in Boston last week. There was two literary festivals on with Irish connections. There was a Flann O'Brien yeah. festival and there was an Edgar Allan Poe festival. Uh, and there was an element of that about his parents are from... or his dad is from Donegal, I think. Uh, um, um, None of that has really anything to do with the Irish state. <laughs> yeah, I, but that's what I... But I mean, I the, mean those are not... If but, you look at
2: figures like... I mean, why, why did Samuel Beckett... Leave. Why did James Joyce uh, leave? Uh, and it wasn't. You know, it was because they found the free state that was growing and developing utterly inhospitable on, on a cultural level. Mm. And uh, and of course now this state is delighted to uh, have them on board to sell
1: Ireland Inc. Yeah, but that, that, I suppose that was my question. I mean, does that make a lie to that that sales pitch? You know what I mean? Well, that, that, it's
2: not a lie to say that we've produced some of the greatest writers in the history of English literature. Yeah. it's not a lie. But we're
1: forcing them. We force them abroad. But 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 m- the
2: majority of them uh, had to go abroad in order to achieve their greatness.
1: Is that know? still true today, or is it a I mean, uh, is it a more fertile <laughs> land for artists? No,
2: I. I it's very very difficult. It's a very difficult place to be an artist of any kind. You know. Uh, I I it was in it was in 1967 I happened to be in London with my future wife and uh, uh we I remember one day we sat down and uh, uh, said uh, are we going to stay here or are we going are we going to go home so we decided uh, I, it was in the Bunch of Grapes pub uh, in in London <laughs> we decided to uh, to go home to get married and I would become an artist and I would work to improve the status of the artist in Ireland. They were the four goals. First was very easy. I just yeah. had to buy a ticket for the mailboat. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The second was actually comparatively easy to get married. Yeah. The third and fourth proved much more difficult.
1: While we're on the subject then of the arts and art, tell me about this incognito. Oh, incognito. Air. I should first say that uh, the, the, the Jack and Jill Foundation is an
2: extraordinary organisation. I mean, I wish... I lived in a society that didn't need it. But the work they they do is remarkable. They they provide care to very ill children, and particularly children in an end-of-life situation, by paying for care provided by nurses. Mm. And I happen to have a personal connection in that my daughter-in-law is one of those nurses who works... uh, Apart from her job in Temple Street, mm-hmm. she works with families okay. uh, and providing care where they've got very ill children. So it's a wonderful organisation. And one of the things they've developed over the years is this uh, idea of Incognito, which is uh, a sale of artworks uh, which are all all only postcard size. Uh, but the, the reason it's called Incognito is that uh, if you bid for one of these and buy it for, I think it's 65, 65 either, euro. 65 yeah. euro, yeah. You you don't know who you've got until you turn it over and see the name on the back. You okay. Know? So you could, you could get, you know, uh, one of our leading artists or one of our leading personalities or you could get somebody who's not so well known. It's, uh, you know, and I suppose that if you were involved and you go on the website because they're all yeah. up, up on the website... You, you can try and guess who's who. <laughs> I, I I'm interested in that uh I mean I, I've supported it for years. Yeah. But uh I see this year uh Paul Costello, the famous uh, oh, yeah. designer, he was in school with me. Okay. <laughs> and I also see that uh, Damien Dempsey is uh, another one of the people involved and he was in school with my son. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Connections everywhere. Connections everywhere, yeah.
1: Uh, Incognito.ie is the website. You can register there. You can have a look through. You can... Bid on something that you like the look of, or you can try and identify a Robert Bala if you want, if you want, yeah. uh, and bid on that. Sixty-five euro a pop. You don't know uh, who, who you got until the sale is completed, and it's all, as Robert says, in uh, in aid of Jack and Jill, the children's foundation. Really important uh, fundraising drive for them. Uh, Robert, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for bidding. Thank you. Robert Balla, artist and activist. That's our lot for today's Hard Shoulder Off The Ball. As always, they up next. My thanks to the production team, to Ronan Coveney and Mark Simpson, to Alex Russo, Roisin Davis and Dara Falkton, and Michael Quilligan and Peter Molloy were on sound. I will be back the same time tomorrow, 4 o'clock. See you then.
0: Credit card brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift, with Air Credit Card you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to take off. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Euro. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.